As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. If you're listening to the VanCast, you know that the Vancouver Canucks are back on the ice gearing up for their return to play in the play-in series against the Minnesota Wild. But it's not just hockey, basketball knocking on the door, uh, the MLS tournament is underway, golf is back. In other words, sports have returned. And we don't want you to miss the exclusive in-depth coverage of this unprecedented sports season. So you got to subscribe and save here at The Athletic. You sign up now and see for yourself the creativity, reporting, and storytelling that sets The Athletic apart. And if you go to theathletic.com slash thevancast, you can receive 40% off an annual subscription. Sports are back, and you don't want to miss breaking stories on your favorite team. So go to theathletic.com slash thevancast for 40% off the annual subscription price. We hope to see you there. New VanCast with Drancer and J-Pat and the Kraken 2. We now know, Thomas, that uh, the Canucks' geographic arrival down the I-5, the Seattle Kraken unveiled just before we hit uh, the record button on today's podcast. It's awesome. It's the best expansion name and look in the last 30 years of NHL expansion history, and it's not close. Uh, I think the only possible contender that you could put into that category would be the Panthers or the Lightning. But, I mean, look at the look at the competition. Like, we're talking about the Predators, the Wild, the Blue Jackets, the Golden Knights. Like, this, is, this blows those out of the water, right? Kraken is so cool. They can do this crazy pirate or greek mythological theme at their home games like really amp it up for the kids i think that's important especially when you're starting from scratch without generations of fans the way that obviously we're used to up north uh you know on the north end of the i-5 so look i think they nailed it i think the jerseys are awesome i love the logo i love love the secondary logo like i already want a flat brim new new era fitted cap with that logo on it it's sick and you know I, I mean I wouldn't actually wear it because I don't wear logos but like if I wasn't a hockey writer I would absolutely wear that hat uh, I think they nailed it I think it was cool um you know he Todd Lewicki maybe went a little long so the the logo started leaking while he was talking uh but other than that you know, I don't think they could have nailed this any better than they did for me. Best jersey, best logo of the last 30 years of NHL expansion history. I'm so excited they went crazy with it and, and went with the Kraken. I think that's cool as anything. 
crazy with the Kraken. I like it. That could be one of their uh, slogans. Uh, <laughs> it, this it grew on me. Like out of the gate when you know there was a lot of chatter early on the release the Kraken thing, and I was like, come on, I, I don't know. Um, you know, I'm not maybe in their target demo, and I'm with you. I'm not buying their merch, so it doesn't really matter. But I will say it grew on me to the point that yesterday when I saw that initial video. Uh, of the people on the trawler hauling things in in the net. And I was like, well, eventually they're going to, you know, haul in this great mythological sea squid. You know, like it just, when I saw that, even though people were, no, it's still going to be the sockeyes or whatever. I was like, no, they're going cracking and and I'm okay with that. But I I did want to see the look. I wanted to see the logo. I'm kind of curious to see, you know, there are so many things you could do with the mascot and, and that type of stuff. So, uh, good on them. Welcome to the NHL Kraken, and uh, it should be fun. Like it's so long overdue to have a, a true geographic rival. I mean, we've talked about that for ages in Vancouver. Uh, obviously, uh, it's still a year and a bit away, but uh, they are born today, and so uh, there we go. The NHL has added yet another true franchise, and uh, it won't be too long before we see them on the ice. But right now, for the Canucks and their fans, obviously the attention is on the Minnesota Wild because uh, the countdown is on just over a week away from the start of the play-in. And as we record this, it's an off day for the Canucks, but yet another scrimmage to dive into and a few other things around the hockey club that we'll get to here over the course of this VanCast. But let's jump right in uh, with the latest scrimmage that we saw. Another uh, solid performance for Jacob Markstrom. I think that's one of the stories here of the second week. If uh, opening week of training camp was, you know, Jacob Markstrom knocking some rust off, uh, there's no doubt, Drancer, that uh, the Jacob Markstrom that we've seen for the last year and a half is the true leader of the Vancouver Canucks. He seems to have arrived here in week two. He has allowed what two goals in the last <laughs> uh, hour and ten minutes, or sorry, hundred and ten minutes of scrimmage action. Uh, yeah. Made some spectacular saves. He, you know, midseason form from Jacob Markstrom. He, it's mid camp, but he looks like he's in midseason form. Uh, that's got to be a good sign for the Canucks. They're going to need him. Um, you know, and look, this is an unbelievable opportunity for a guy like Markstrom who can steal a series like he's the type of goaltender who can steal a series I think the Canucks believe that I think it was a big reason why they went out and got Tyler Toffoli at the deadline like I think they looked at their team and they thought when are we going to have a shot like this with a healthy goaltender at the absolute apex of his form and and, you know of course Markstrom got hurt five days later because that's Canucks luck but it doesn't change the you know overall sort of arithmetic that I think the club was doing back in normal times when they were six weeks out from the playoffs. So we'll see sort of what happens here. But, I mean, he's looked great. I'm not surprised that he sort of found his form after uh, a tough first week. Uh, and, and look, he's going to be the big he's going to be the big difference in this series, especially as the Wild, you know, continue to, in Mike Russo's formulation, audition for the job between Stalock and... Dubnik and Kakinen, who was their AHL goaltender and, and was enormously successful at the American League level, but, you know, doesn't have NHL experience and certainly isn't Jacob Markstrom. So a uh, big development for the Canucks, probably the biggest possible one, actually, when you look at the gap between them and their prospective qualifying round opponent. Canucks have had all this time, you know, during the COVID break to get a deal done with Jacob Markstrom if they had wanted to. They haven't yet. Uh, and now you wouldn't want contract talks going on as you re-enter, uh, you know, the, the the game dome, if you will. Um, but what do you think is at stake for Markstrom here? Like, if it doesn't go well for him in the playoffs, and there's no reason to believe that uh, that's going to be the case, 
But, you know, if things don't go well for Markstrom and the Canucks, how much could a play-in series like this after a four-month layoff impact uh, ultimately getting him locked up to a new contract? Yeah. I, you know, I'm curious to see that. I, I don't think it should, right? Like, my view of it is that I wouldn't be evaluating people too significantly based on this series all around. Like, it's five games. It's five games. It's best of three. Like, it could be three games. It could be five. And either way, it's not going to be representative. Like, what matters much more to me, uh, what would matter much more to me if I was running the Canucks would be how Markstrom's played over the last 24 months now, right? Like, since December of 2019, he's been a top five goaltender. Uh, in the sport, uh, you know, fringe is the top five, certainly top 10, top 10 with a bullet. Wait, wait, and that's 20, wait a second, 2018, right? December, 2019. Yes. Yes. Excuse me. Since December, yeah. 2018, he's been a top 10 goaltender in the sport with a bullet. Maybe, maybe as a credible argument, depending on how much you weight Vancouver's defensive play to be a top five, like that matters way more to me than, whatever happens over this five game series and you know the same is going to go for Travis Green like the same is going to go for you know Chris Tanev Tyler Toffoli like any of the big extensions that the Canucks are looking at like I think this is a really dangerous one where you really have to make sure that you are not overreacting to what you're seeing once you get into this hub just because of all the context all of the uniqueness and just how absurdly short like shorter than even your regular playoff series uh you know this sample is going to be well as the Canucks get set and they're going to depart town on on Sunday and get into Edmonton and get into the bubble and they've got that one exhibition game against Winnipeg and Travis Green telling us yesterday that he thinks that he's gonna and all coaches will be allowed to dress a couple of extra players it'll be interesting to see because uh, I had somebody on Twitter that had reached out a few weeks back and said, like, do you think they'll allow them to dress extra players for the exhibition game? And I said, well, logistically, that's going to be tough. I mean, you can't extend the bench. So I don't know if that means that they're going to have, you know, extra players crammed in the bench or if they'll have subs and halfway through the game, maybe you're able to bring two new guys in and, and send two guys out. Anyway, it's the same guy on Twitter reached out and said, I'm waiting for my apology. I don't know that an apology is necessary because I said, just logistically, I wasn't sure and I'm still not sure how it's going to work, but it does sound like, the coaches will all have a little bit more room to experiment. So as they get into the bubble, mm -hmm. you know, they're going to find that life's a little bit different. Uh, let's just take a sec here, though, because this is exciting for you, I think, that it's not just the Canucks that are going to be in Edmonton for as long as they're alive in these playoffs. Uh, you're hunkering down. You're, you're switching addresses for the <laughs> summer here, Drancer. I am, yeah. I figured 2020 wasn't apocalyptic enough. I better go spend two months in Edmonton. Uh, yeah, no, look, I'm going for the duration. I I'm booked to be in Edmonton for 66 days. I'll miss the exhibition games, but I will be on site. I'll be covering the entire Western bracket for the Athletic uh, from a national perspective. Uh, it's going to be really fun. It's going to be really challenging. I'm not in the bubble, right? Like, I'm a group five, no. which is what they call people who don't get to have face-to-face -face interactions with anyone they're covering. Uh, it's going to be a real challenge, but it's going to be a lot of fun, and I'll be, you know, doing a ton for 1040, uh, regularly talking about the team, and, and of course, we'll still be podcasting with my yeah. bubble dispatches, so <laughs> I, I look forward to all of that, but look, it's going to be an experience. There's no question about that. 
Yes, well, we saw the uh, promotional video for Edmonton. It looks fabulous at this time of the year, so I'm sure that... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait. I can't wait for to visit the sites like the Great Wall of China and the <laughs> Taj Mahal. <laughs> exactly. Uh, look out for the giant sea monsters that just appear, too. The Kraken will pop up out of the river there in Edmonton. Uh, but your wife's... Oh, that sounds, that sounds exciting. That sounds exciting. Sign me up. Just- this isn't just you and all this talk about players that are leaving their family behind. You're taking your wife, like, what a sport she is, I guess, uh, has the flexibility like so many people do in this time right now. So it's not just Thomas Drance that's heading into Edmonton. Uh, it's a traveling party. Yeah, no, my, my wife's a good sport coming with me for two months in Edmonton. Uh, you know, uh, it was a little bit of a harder sell than Florida. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but no, it, look, it it's going to be a lot of fun and I couldn't do it without her. Right. Like being away, being apart for two months would have been uh, a little too much for me to bear, especially because look with how limited access is going to be. I think this is going to be a pretty soul crushing experience potentially. Like I'm excited. I think I have some really cool stuff lined up. I think I'm going to be able to pick around the edges and provide completely unique content for the VIPs. But I do think it's going to be challenging in a totally different way than anything I've ever covered just because of how prescribed the access is. So having my wife there to, to boost me when I get down, which I think is inevitable over 65 days in which, you know, I expect I'll spend 58 days at the rink, including 12 to 16 hours uh, every day for the first 10 or so. Uh, you know, I don't think I could have done it without her. All right, well, and I agree with that part of it, but I pledge right here uh, for all of our VanCast listeners to do my part twice a week to try to lift your spirits uh, remotely, of course. But oh, yeah, uh, and, we'll, and we'll just that's that's old reliable. Like you've done that all, uh, <laughs> you've done that all quarantine, JPAT. So I expect no less. Well, there you go. You can just vision it, envision it, people. Thomas Drance packing a suitcase full of polos and khaki pants and heading to Edmonton to meet the NHL dress code uh, to cover hockey here this summer. Is that how it's going to play out? Uh, pretty much. I, I, I don't know, like, how should, how, sh- how should I dress? Should I, dre- should I wear polos and khakis? <laughs> should I wear my ties? I want to see it. With if my, you, with if my you masks? do, I want, I want photos if you're wearing polos and khakis because I can't see it, but... Are, are masks an extra surface for me to get droplets on? <laughs> like, are masks hygienic in this day and age? Like, I don't, or sorry, not masks. Are ties hygienic in this day and age? Like, I don't even know. I know I'll be wearing a mask. I don't know. You know, am, is this going to be the first time I've ever gone to a rink? Sort of business casual. <laughs> might be. Like, it might be. I might. I'll sort of see how it goes. Right. Uh, and. You know, we heard from the players this week, and we we're all sort of having some fun with the Minnesota Wild. We still don't know what the Canucks are going to do. Talk of team tracksuits. Uh, I know Elias Pettersson uh, seemed to want to be able to, uh, you know, flaunt his personality a little bit. Although, Hell yeah, he's one that does. I mean, this guy's as stylish as they come at 21 years of age. Like for him, uh, you know, walking into the rink, it's a big deal because I'm always curious to see what he's going to wear. So, you know, he probably won't be wearing the suits, but. It's not like he wasn't able to show his personality uh, under the old dress code. So I don't know what the new world will look like for a guy like Elias Pettersson. Uh, But I do know this much. And man, was this comforting. Because on the Zoom earlier this week, when Patrick asked Elias Pettersson about the Hart Trophy finalists, and it took me right back <laughs> to a point in time, not once, but twice. And we talked about this on earlier VanCast, where I 
was asked by Toronto with my little video cam, you know, to get some reaction to something that had gone on around the league. And EP40 wanted none of it. None of it. And so nothing has changed. Like, PJ asked him, have you seen the Hart Trophy finalists? No. We, I mean, my guess is he had. But he <laughs> yeah, knew... Probably. He knew exactly where the question was going. So Patrick lays them out for him and says, so what do you think? Yeah, all great players. <laughs> yeah, Petey's so good on so many topics, but ask him about guys, other guys around the league, right? That's you, There's some guys who are great about it, right? There's yep. some guys oh, yeah. who are love breaking it down, and, and I just think Petey's like, you know, I think he wants to be one, right? Like, he wants to be one of the Hart Trophy candidates. Sure he so he's, he's not going to give a ton of credit to the other guys. Like, he's just going to be like, yeah, they're great. They're great players. You know, like, ask me again when I'm one of them. <laughs> I, I do think that's the subtext there. And, and look, you can't not love it. Like, there's no way to react to that except being like, hell's yes, right? Like, the, the competitive fire that that guy has... Uh, it's un- unreal. Like, it's unreal to watch. It's unreal to watch in practice, in scrimmages. Um, certainly when he's playing in actual NHL games, if the Canucks qualify for the playoffs, we're going to see, you know, uh, uh, release the Kraken. <laughs> Forget that. We're going to see something significantly more interesting than that. So, uh, you know, I personally love it. Uh, and, man, like, he was going. I know it's a scrimmage, but... It looks like he's kind of bored almost with camp now and <laughs> yeah. is trying to entertain himself because we saw a couple, I mean, in tight between the legs and just about scored the goal of camp. And then uh, kind of like that, you know, the when he was in the penalty box against Columbus and came out in sort of the, the rage fuel as he uh, got in on the breakaway and scored, we saw a bit of an example of that as well uh, in the latest scrimmage too when he absolutely blew past Ole Levy, and look, we've said Ole Levy's had a, a better second week. Like, this isn't a knock on Ole Levy. It just looked like Elias Pettersson was sort of testing the Jets to see if they were, you know, game ready. And I think we can all, we can both report that uh, based on that, yeah, they are. Yeah, they are. Well, look, he's, he tried he tried the Linus Omar date, uh, Deke, at full speed. Like, I don't even know how you... <laughs> I don't even know how you try that at full speed. Like, it's a deke designed to be done slowly. Like, blew my mind. Absolutely blew my mind. Uh, Pedersen often does. And, and look, JT Miller, too, was was dominant, right? Um, did you see the little mic'd up clip that the Canucks released from before the scrimmage? Yeah. That was amazing. <laughs> so JT Miller goes up to Quinn Hughes and says, Greener says our line hasn't been playing well. <laughs> because we... Um, and I told him it's because we've been playing against you. And... I mean, there is, like, I do just want to say quickly, like, we haven't seen Quinn Hughes, like, put up a ton of points. Like, he's had a ton of chances. But it's not like we've seen Quinn Hughes, like, have one of those, like, four-point scrimmages the way we saw him have, you know, four-point games three or four times during the course of the regular season. But every team that he's on just demolishes the, the flow of play, right? Like, whatever team Quinn Hughes is playing on... About halfway through the scrimmage, you look up and you're like, boy, it's, re- it's really been all Team White. Like, boy, it's really been all Team Blue. And the common factor is whichever team Quinn Hughes is on, like, the gravity that he exerts over the game, it applies in scrimmages too, and it's hilarious. Well, it didn't seem like a fair fight yesterday when they started to trickle no. out onto the ice in the oh. various colors. And you're seeing Pedersen and Hughes and Markstrom all on the same team. But actually, I, know. I, I, I and 
you know, not surprisingly, the result went that way. I think 5-2 was the final score. But the one thing I liked about that scrimmage yesterday, and it makes perfect sense, was like the hard matchups <laughs> between Pedersen and Horvat. Like, why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you give Bo Horvat the responsibility of trying to keep Petey in check? And if you're Elias Pedersen, you know you're getting special attention, uh, starting with the exhibition game, if in fact he plays, and I imagine he would. But certainly on August 2nd, uh, once they get into the play-in against Minnesota, he's going to see you know, whatever scheme the Wild have devised to try and slow him down. So I thought it made perfect sense for, you know, those guys and their lines to go head-to-head in a 60-minute scrimmage yesterday. Yeah, and it creates, you know, something like 15 minutes, or not 15 minutes, but maybe 12 minutes of best-on-best hockey where the 10 players on the ice are Edler, Myers, Hughes, Tanev, Pedersen, Horvat, Pearson, Toffoli, Miller, and Brock Besser, right? Like, those 10 guys head-to-head for 12 minutes in that scrimmage yesterday, probably. Um, That's great. Like, that's awesome. That 12 minutes was way more instructive than watching guys sort of try and, you know, and to their credit, like the youngest Black Aces, guys like Cole Lind and and Ole Olevi have played really well, but watching those guys pick on younger guys or, or AHLers versus watching them try and beat each other is a different thing, right? And and I sort of would wait what we saw yesterday over what we saw in the first and the second feature scrimmages uh, just for that reason. And, and you know, what's funny is for all that you put those guys on the ice, right, together, those the Pedersen, Hughes, and Markstrom together on one team, the guy who makes it lopsided is Cole Lind, <laughs> right? Like that's just classic, uh, classic hockey um, and Lind had himself a game. I thought he looked yeah. really good. Do you think that he was being given an, a real audition with Mott and Beagle? Uh, I don't get that sense. I just think there's so much no. traffic for those bottom six positions among you know true NHL veterans, and I include Zach McEwen with all of 21 games as a, a veteran. Like yeah. Lind's in a separate category, but nevertheless, I mean, playing with Beagle and Mott to you know be an off. It wasn't like he was playing with. Horvat and Besser like he was on uh, essentially a fourth line and was able to generate offense and uh, stand out from the crowd and I thought he was good on Sunday as well like I think his camp has gotten progressively better he talked about it afterwards about you know the confidence level and look he had a nice season down in Utica he was voted most improved player there and I think we saw some examples of that and yeah the transition from junior to pro was tough he's not the only guy that's ever going to have to endure that but after a you know a rookie season where there were a lot of questions, there's no doubt like he is back on uh, the prospect track. You know in that Canuck organization, like I, I you know when you see him yesterday, yeah. you can envision uh, a Canuck wearing number seventy eight in game action, maybe as early as next season. But as far as the play in and the bubble and everything else, uh, you know he's soaking up the atmosphere and the experience and good on him. That's what he should be doing. But I, I don't think that he's any sort of consideration here moving forward. No, I think if. It's an interesting dynamic because for Lind, if here's what would make me think Lind's getting a real audition would be if they tried him at center, right? He played some center in the AHL this past season. He can do it. Uh, when you look at what the Canucks have a lot of, it's wings. Yep. When you look at what the Canucks don't have a ton of, uh, you know, it's centermen, especially when Brandon Sutter's been a little bit in and out of the lineup for, you know, unfit to play reasons over the past 10 days. Uh, so Grayovac's sort of the, the depth center, and, you know, if you're going to leapfrog to be, you know, the team's 17th forward, which you kind of need to do if you're going to be on that 31-man roster, uh, you know, the key is, can you play center? And and so it's it's an interesting dynamic where really the 
sort of key sign I'd be looking for for their considering taking Cole Lind into phase four would be him getting a scrimmage at center. We'll see what they do on Friday. I don't think we'll see it, but the impression that he's made, especially as a guy who wasn't even going to be in this camp until Sven Berchi exercised, you know, his his right to opt out, uh, you know, I, I do think that'll mean a lot for him when he gathers with the team again for whatever training camp and whenever training camp occurs for the 2020-2021 season. A couple other things I want to get to that have come out of the scrimmage here in a sec, and we'll get back into hockey in a moment. But uh, grab your peanuts and popcorn because baseball is back. That's right. The boys are getting back out on the diamond this week. And while we may not be able to join them at the park, there's plenty of action to be had. From the comfort of your home, DraftKings, the leader in one-day fantasy sports, is putting you on the field with a shot to play risk-free for a shot at a hundred or hundreds of thousands of dollars. If you haven't tried it yet, fantasy baseball, easy to play. You pick 10 players, stay under the salary cap, and pile up points for hits, runs, strikeouts, and more. No better way to put your baseball knowledge to the test than to compete for a shot at hundreds of thousands of dollars. But if baseball isn't for you, don't worry. DraftKings is offering plenty of fantasy golf action for this weekend's tournament with millions of dollars up for grabs this week. There's no better place to have skin in the game than with DraftKings. So download the app now. Use the promo code RUN to get a free shot at a share of millions of dollars up for grabs this week with your first deposit. That's promo code RUN to get a free shot at a share of millions of dollars with your first deposit only at DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. You mentioned his name in passing, and we don't talk about him an awful lot, but you know, you mentioned it to, to me yesterday at the rink, and I, I saw it was included in uh, the rundown as well that you and Harm have put together after each of the scrimmages here uh, through camp. And you can find that, uh, if you haven't, at the Athletic uh, website or on the app too. But, you know, you think of this layoff, and you've heard from a few guys of what it's done for them. Look, nobody on the Vancouver Canucks could have used a break more than a guy like Chris Tanev, right? Like, when right. we just think of the miles on his body and the fact that he was banged up, uh, in that final game against the Islanders and was going to be out for a couple of weeks. It wasn't serious, but he was going to miss uh, probably 10 days to, to two weeks, whatever the case. He's had four months and, you know, sort of like Alex Edler as well. And we're seeing that Travis Green, I think, experimenting with a refreshed Edler paired with Tyler Myers the way they were at the outset of the season when Edler had come off a, a summer break. Uh, Chris Tanev just, you know, so quietly goes about his business, but you're reminded constantly when he's on the ice you know, just what he means. Who knows what his future is, but in the here and now, he still means a hell of a lot to the Vancouver Canucks. Yeah, and, he, like, obviously Pedersen, Miller, Besser, in some order, have been the team's best players, right? And yet, when you watch these scrimmages, it's really just Chris Tanev skating around the ice, stealing guys' lunch money, right? Like, that's really what stands out to me. Like, he is... He, he just snuffs out all semblance of offensive attack every time he's on. He's always playing with Hughes, who's always dominating play. And he goes back and, you know, it's quick stick lift. It's a picked off pass and play goes the other way. Like he crushes these, uh, this environment. And when you look at how his skating looks right now versus when we last saw him, probably playing through a few things undisclosed and, and we know that he was going to miss a few days uh, at least a, at least a couple weeks, actually, when the pause came about, uh, which is no surprise considering the, you know, <laughs> brutal sort of minutes that he plays and what he puts his body through, whether it's blocking shots or, or taking a hit to make a play. Uh, you know, I think a refreshed Chris Tanev, and he certainly looks like that, 
could be a huge factor in this series. I don't think I'd be stunned at all if Hughes and Tanev are clear top pairing when the Canucks face the Wild in in Game 1. You know, in October, like when we last saw Edler and Myers and they played well together, they were playing first pair minutes and and not by a little bit like they were a clear first pair I'd I'd be stunned now if the Canucks go into this Minnesota Wild series and play that way I I think that speaks to a what Quinn Hughes has accomplished already in his young NHL career but also you know to the potential impact that a Chris Tanev pair could have uh, on this club I'm really interested to see how that pair plays you know the the defense core thing should be Minnesota's biggest advantage in this playoff series. But when that, the more I think about it, the more I sort of wonder how much that advantage could be neutered by the fact that as good as Minnesota's D is one through six, none of them are named Quinn Hughes, right? And yep. we'll sort of see what that looks like. But if Tanev's refreshed, if he looks at all like this, and he gets a lot of respect in these scrimmages, the Wild will not be quite so accommodating uh, as Tanev's teammates. But if he looks at all like this when the playoffs begin, I think that's a huge, huge X factor for this Vancouver Canucks team. No, and I think that's absolutely a, a point worth uh, underscoring is, you know, if you were drafting the 12 defensemen that are going to take part in the opener of this series, you know, it, it's Quinn Hughes with a bullet. He goes number one. Then there's probably a run on Minnesota Wild defensemen. Yeah, but at least three. At least but three. There's, them, right? But there's like, no doubt. Sure. Like make make no mistake. The number one pick is going to be Quinn Hughes, and so you know the Canucks have to hope that you know that is an advantage that that they have over Minnesota. That well, Minnesota's got this collective group. The Canucks have the guy, and and we know. I mean, already at uh, a young age, is able to take over hockey games, and so uh, really, you know, it, it's getting close now uh, to the point that. You know, those are the types of things that are like I'm, I'm really excited about. Like just the idea of seeing Quinn Hughes yeah. in game action against legit NHL opponents. Like it's fun. It's been a joy to watch him in scrimmages because you're reminded that he does do things differently than anybody else on this team. But every day is a day closer. Uh, who knows what that exhibition game will look like? It's sort of a necessary evil. Uh, but let's go. I mean, we're getting that close to uh, August second and the start of the play in against the Minnesota Wild. You know, it's funny, you mentioned JT Miller and, and mic'd up, and, you know, there were a few funny bits there uh, yesterday on the Zoom, and this was just so JT Miller as well. Like, you know, he doesn't give many flocks about anything, right? And he just gets out there and plays hockey, but I just thought that was so him. <laughs> Sorry, to, did you say he doesn't give many, many flocks about yes. anything? No, yeah. he, he, he has... He, I don't. I, I wouldn't say many. I would say zero. Like this is a guy with zero fucks to give. <laughs> Fair enough. And we saw that again. I mean, the latest example is him carving the ice at Rogers Arena. Like I haven't heard a peep from anybody else. It's summer. Uh, you know, it stands yeah. to reason that maybe the ice isn't great. It hasn't been used. It wasn't in there for the longest time. But there's JT Miller on his media Zoom yesterday saying, you know, I don't know if you guys can tell, but the ice is bad. Uh, you know, yeah. he's, he's, I'm trying to stay healthy. Like he was talking about how deep he had to dig in and, you know, it hurts your hip and your back. Like that was just so JT Miller. Uh, you know, it's awesome. I, you could understand. Like I, 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 And I'm guessing that we'll probably hear that from others uh, in the hubs, right, once they get to Edmonton and Toronto. Uh, where it's not their own building, it's not their own organization. But I was a little surprised to hear him go down that road, you know, on his home ice rink. You're going to hear it in Toronto. I don't think you'll hear it a ton in Edmonton, just because that's a newer building with newer equipment. And and I do think that's sort of what's like people don't understand that the functional life of an NHL building without significant like Madison Square Garden level re- um, renovations is you know 25 years like. 
GM places there, right? Like yeah. GM places at the point where you typically say, and, and they've put a lot of money into it over the last five, five to 10 years. But nonetheless, you're, you're at the point where GM place would be called obsolete in usual industry parlance. So, um, you know, the Canucks, again, have upgraded a ton of stuff to avoid that. But I, but I do think some of their equipment's uh, aging a bit. I do think ice quality would have been an issue in the event that Vancouver had been selected as a hub city, um, like one that we would have heard about a fair bit. I don't know that we'll hear a ton about it in Edmonton uh, just because of how new and, and, you know, brand spanking fresh that building is. But I, I now have this idea, Jeff. You've, like, given me this idea that there should be, like, a green jacket for fucks given. You know, like, who's who's... <laughs> Can you be minus fucks? Because if you can, <laughs> JT Miller is like minus 36 fucks. <laughs> like, like, forget no fucks. Like, maybe I didn't even, maybe I didn't even go far enough. Guys, minus 36 fucks given. Um, truly tremendous. And, and look, it's the best part about even just watching him in this scrimmage environment, grinding guys. Uh, I'm glad the Canucks put a mic on him because that was the big takeaway for me watching him that week that I did was just like how constantly he is going about the ice, just destroying his teammates verbally and then going out and doing it on the ice as well, right? And like, you know, oh yeah, just trying to disrespect the goaltender and the defender as much as I could, right? Like, it's just like, it's tremendous. He's um, so funny. Like, know, and, and we saw it's go amazing. Back to, go back to September in Victoria. Like, you know, day one of camp there, you know, the work rate jumped out and it hasn't stopped since. And even, you yeah. know, after this hiatus, you know, he hadn't really... Again, as the team's scoring leader, he hadn't dominated the scrimmage, but yesterday that line certainly stepped up. But but it just even in drills, like you you see this guy's motor is constantly running. Like it it just you know it just you it it's so apparent. Like when you walk in off the street and you see oh, okay the Canucks are doing drills. Oh, there's J T Miller because uh, you know there's a guy that's causing a commotion in drills. Uh, it just jumps off the ice, at least it has to me, through camp. And so it kind of stood to reason that it was a matter of time before he and Pedersen and Toffoli. And it was Toffoli, ultimately, that pulled the trigger. And, you know, you want to see that, too. Like, that looked like the kind of goal that you could envision Tyler Toffoli scoring when they're playing for keeps here in 10 days' time. You know, in across the blue line, cuts to the middle, and just rips one past Thatcher Demko. Uh, you know, that's a good sign for me. You want these guys feeling good about their games as uh, they get set to, to return to play. And, and that line I thought was as you said uh, you know really good in the scrimmage and I think it's just a good sign to see Toffoli score that kind of goal 100% and you know I think the JT work rate thing is such an important point because I do think it's one of the biggest stories of this Canucks season like big picture stories what will matter about this Canucks season two three years down the line as this team takes a step forward or not right you know I, I think it's Elias Pettersson adding some serious two-way half to his game. I think it's Quinn Hughes being, you know, immediately a top 10 NHL defenseman. Uh, I think it's Jacob Markstrom continuing to sustain that form. And I think it's JT Miller coming in here and completely changing the conversation around JT Miller league-wide. Like, do you remember in the fall when Brian Burke, who granted, you know, has more bad takes than good these days, especially when it comes to recapture. But remember when he was talking about like JT Miller's issues with authority or, or whatever it was, like some gobbledygook on Sportsnet? Yeah. Uh, you know, just like to think about that and then think about the player and the person we've covered over the course of the year. It's hard to imagine that we're talking about the same guy. Like there is no team in the league that wouldn't love to have a guy with this type of character, skill level, work rate determination on their roster there's not a single team so 
you know, to come from, I mean, that was, that was only like four months of hockey ago, even if it was eight months ago in real time, um, you know, granted, uh, depending on how you want to score it, since this, this is the 145th day of March, as far as I'm concerned, but the, you know, that sort of development for the Canucks and, and the way that we've seen JT Miller versus how he's been regarded around the league in his career so far, uh, you know, it's hard to square almost. That's just how important he's been, how mature he seems, how big a leader he's become on this team. I'm really fascinated to see if how that level of play amps up even further when the games, you know, really matter. And I, and I know that Miller thinks he hasn't performed well enough in his past playoff runs. So I think there's going to be, you know, even more of a chip on his shoulder than, than anything we've seen to this point uh, once the team moves to Edmonton and into that phase four bubble. And that right there is another thing that's hard for me to square. You know, based on the season that we saw from JT Miller, and we were there day in, day out, practices and games, watch this guy emerge as a leader, you know, right from the start. And then, you know, when play was halted, tied for the team leading goals, led the team in points, you know, was headed for somewhere in the mid-80s in terms of points if you completed the season. Uh, you know, from the All-Star break to the end of the year, he was tied for sixth in NHL scoring. I think it was a 20-game run. Uh, and yet this is a guy that has three career playoff goals in 61 games with the Rangers and Tampa. Now he's in a totally different position as a frontliner, go-to guy, you know, first unit power play. I'm expecting that he will bust out in a big way, but... When you see a guy that has three goals on, I think it's 96 or 98 shots, like he's got a 2.5% shooting percentage in his career in the playoffs. He's probably bound to get a bounce here or there. But I do wonder if he's played better in the playoffs than the numbers indicate, or if for whatever reason and the roles that he's played, you know, it just hasn't allowed him to kind of put his stamp on postseason hockey. But I, I do expect that that'll change uh, here once they get going against Minnesota. I agree with you. I think JT Miller is going to have a big, his fingerprints are going to be all over the Canucks series, regardless of how this goes. Um, and probably for better than for worse, you know, uh, should we, I, I just want to end off real quick with, I, I do think, you know, we like to take people behind the scenes and, you know, this zoom format that we're living in, like we're living in a zoom world where it's really easy. I think to duck questions, uh, you know, unless you're getting a guy on the phone for a one-on-one, I don't think we're getting a ton out of these guys beyond the hockey side. Like, there's not a lot of personal color. Uh, you know, I, I think about Toffoli the other day, asked about his pending free agency, really quickly ducked it, and then no one can come back to it, really, because he's already sort of indicated that he's not going to play ball. And it's not like someone can take a run at him again off to the side, like, you know, emote, build a build rapport, show some empathy, get something more interesting for fans. Uh, it's been a real challenge for me, certainly. Yeah. Um, you know, I think that's why at the Athletic Vancouver anyway, we've really focused pretty narrowly on the hockey itself and what we're able to read between the lines from scrimmages and uh, performance so far at camp. But, um, you know, I do think it's fundamentally altered uh, the way that player quotes, uh, player conversations are getting out there. Like the Quinn Hughes quote that he gave Ken Campbell. Like, I just don't think you're getting that in a Zoom in a Zoom world. Um, and it's sort of an interesting uh, dynamic that we're kind of going through here. Yeah, and I think, unfortunately, it may only get worse because if you think about it right now, you know, like we've all built a rapport. So when the moderator says, you know, your next question is coming from Thomas Grants or Jeff Patterson, like 
whether they can see us, and I don't think they've got the video channels turned on, so, you know, but these players know who they're talking to, right? But once they get into the bubble in Edmonton and it goes league-wide, like, I think that there will be other people on these Zooms that, you know, they're not familiar with. And so, no way in hell are they opening up to some guy that they don't know. And you're right. Like, we really haven't got an awful lot. And and that is tough because, you know, we're being limited to sort of a question and a follow-up. And, and you can't really get on any kind of run of uh, questioning. So, uh, you know, whether that matters to the fans, I don't know. But it, it sort of offers an explanation of, you know, where we are and what we're up against trying to do our jobs. And for you to go to Edmonton, it's great. I mean, you get to be this observer, but it's not like being there is going to change anything when it comes to this, you know, unless you're able to, you know, hopefully for your sake, you know, get a few players to yourself somehow, some way off to the side. But, you know, there's still questions about whether the media is going to be allowed to go into things like practice. And, you know, if players are missing from a practice or a player is injured, you know, one night and then they show up at the practice rink the next day, like, you know, line combinations, changes and switches and adjustments and all those types of things that we would dive right into and dig down in, uh, in normal times, like none of that will be available uh, and so there are going to be some surprises, you know, like I, I think you'll see surprise lineup changes For from sure. game to game because we just won't know what's going on behind the scenes. No. And, and you, you do wonder too, if you risk creating undue speculation, right. In the event that we don't know that like a guy's been absent from practice the day before, and then the team takes the ice for warmups. And all of a sudden it's the first time we see that X star player isn't <laughs> likely to play the night of like, how does that help? anybody in a world where everyone's first thought when a player disappears and is designated unfit to play or unable to play uh, is, you know, the pandemic situation we're in and, and the potential ramifications from the novel coronavirus, right? Like that's the first place everyone's brain goes naturally because it's what we're most scared of in, on some level in our reptile brain right now. And so, you know, we'll, we'll sort of see what it looks like. I'm really interested um, to, you know, be on the front lines of, of you know, doing what I can to, to tell those stories. But I, I do think it's, you know, it's important in this vet format, especially like I'm not bitching or, or, or anything like I understand the health risks associated with it. I think the Canucks have done a, a pretty good job creating as much access as possible. I think the league's going to do the same. Like I see that the league sent, you know, uh, content teams, uh, social media people, video people to document the Eastern Hub, for example, and I'm sure they're doing the same for the West. Uh, I, I don't think fans will be completely uh, flying blind here, but I but I think already we're experiencing different things in terms of how we follow uh, this sport and and what sort of personality we get from the players involved and considering the low level that the NHL was already at with that relative to some of the other sports. um, You know, I just, I don't think that's helpful necessarily, especially since the NHL is really the one return to play plan that doesn't have independent observers in the bubble at all uh, relative to what we've seen elsewhere in North America. So you and I, and the rest of the media, I mean, we're all about access. You know who else is all about access? Manscaped. Uh, manscaping? Yeah. <laughs> can, can smell that one coming. 
<laughs> Manscaped. Oh man, that's a if this was if this was 1040, that would be clipped. I'm I'm sorry. <laughs> well, Manscaped is the best of men's below the belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision engineered tools for your family jewels, and they've just launched in Canada. For those of you that listen on this side of the border, you can be one of the first Canadians to experience their life-changing products. That's why Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. It's the Lawnmower 3.0. The third-generation trimmer features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce manscaping accidents. Nobody wants any of those. And when I tell you this is premium, I mean premium. The battery will last up to 90 minutes, so you can take a longer shave. Water-resistant technology allows you to groom in the shower. You can get 20% off and free shipping with the code THEATHLETIC20 at manscaped.com. So there you go. You go to manscaped.com, 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com, and use the code THEATHLETIC. And for a limited time, subscribers get not one but two free gifts. The Shed Travel Bag, a $39 value, and the patented high-performance anti-chafing Manscaped Boxer Brief. So go to manscaped.com today and use the code THEATHLETIC20. All right. As we wrap here, still a few more days here in town. Again, the Canucks leave on Sunday. I would imagine they'll get a practice or two in uh, at Rogers' place in Edmonton. And uh, then they'll play Winnipeg on Wednesday. So we're inside a week now from that one exhibition game. And August 2nd is the date that circled as the first play-in game against the Minnesota Wild. What's your sense of this team's readiness right now? From what you've seen, practices and scrimmages, uh, do you like what you see in terms of preparation uh, with a week to go I do I think they've been pretty sharp overall I I mean I thought the first scrimmage was a little sloppy uh, as we'd expect but I think the group as a whole looks pretty fit I think they look pretty uh, ready to go all told Um, you know I I don't think that's been across the board but certainly the first line the second line you know Mott Beagle uh, Godet Roussel, McEwen. I mean, you can easily come up with 11 names for forwards uh, of guys who've looked really locked in. You know, Furland's looked really fast to me. Like, I've been pretty impressed by his pace. Uh, obviously, he made a tremendous wrist shot to score a goal in the practice yesterday. But, you know, he also had a moment, like, he had a really nice back check on Jake Vertanen uh, about midway through the first frame. And then the play goes the other way, and then it comes back again. And he ends up getting walked toward the like the third sort of way down the ice and and that to me is just you know a guy still finding playing legs when he's only played in you know four games only one of which he finished since Halloween you know like that to me is not anything surprising but I do wonder how you know quickly he can get to the point where that's not the case because in the playoffs you know, that's going to be a problem, right? Like, and it has nothing to do with him. It's just the circumstances that he's in and the fact that he doesn't have a ton of time here to get fully up to speed. But, I mean, I like what I've seen from him. I just worry a little bit about that playing stamina. And, you know, I just want to be so clear that I'm not criticizing him in any way, right? Like, that's there's nothing you can do to replicate that when you're off for as long as Furland has been. Like, it, it's just sucks. It just sucks for him. Um, you know, Vertanen, Vertanen had a better game last night, right? Like we have to talk Vertanen a little bit here, Fair right? Enough, yeah. Uh, no, Ver- Vertanen had a better game yesterday, but he also still like you still see those inconsistent moments, right? Like he had a good forecheck, he used his speed, he scored a goal, good. Um, but you know, certainly it helps that he has a good game when Zach McEwen and the whole Godette line were a little quiet. But uh, you know, I mean, I don't know that he. Like, 
this wasn't a bull by the horns, like force no, your way into the lineup, no. make sure performance and, and anyone sort of saying it is, is out to lunch. Um, and then, you know, Sutter looked fine. I mean, Sutter's, I still think Sutter's in the lineup if he's healthy. Uh, so we'll sort of see where this goes. I still kind of see it as a three horse race between Furland, Vertan, and McEwen for that spot on the Gaudette line. Uh, what do you think? I kind of, I kind of think that at the end of the day, when staring at the whiteboard, uh, day of the game, Travis is going to want Vertanen's speed in the lineup. Even if he, at the moment, thinks that McEwen has the inside track, I think when it comes down to the decision, it'll be Jake for now. Um, how would you handicap things in that sort of battle for that right wing spot on the third line? Yeah, I mean, Jake, it was his best of the three scrimmages, but the bar was pretty low there, so it's not saying an awful yep. lot. You know, goals are goals. Good for him. I mean, it's on the score sheet. It was the fifth goal made it five to one at the time and it took me back to the last even strength goal that jake scored which was the ninth goal in that nine three win over boston uh, back on yeah. february 22nd so you know in terms of impact and sort of setting the tone not exactly but he scored a goal and we've been harping on him for doing nothing to this point so uh we'll give him that much at least and you know <sighs> My sense is, and the penalty killing plays into it a lot too, that Brandon Sutter will probably be in the lineup. And yet, the more I watch him in these scrimmages and practice, like it's just so quiet around Brandon Sutter now at this stage of his career. Like there just, you know, there just isn't an awful lot there. And I'm not really sure what I'm looking for. I just, I was sort of taken aback by how quiet his game is now. And playoffs yeah. aren't really about being quiet you know like you gotta amp it up a little bit and at times you gotta play with an edge and i'm not sure that there is a, even though he's a sutter you know it's a different generation and i don't know like you know lots been made of the fact that uh and the canucks have to beat minnesota for them to qualify for the playoffs but i know a lot of people had said like he might go through this entire contract without ever playing a playoff game for the vancouver canucks and that's still on the table that's uh, that's pet bugs 13 and he calls it the sutter prophecy yeah, and yeah. I just, when I watch Brandon Sutter, nice guy. Like, I got a lot of time for Brandon Sutter. Oh, yeah. I enjoy my dealings with Brandon Sutter, but I just, that's sort of my takeaway right now is just how quiet it is around him uh, in his game. And so, you know, can he contribute on the penalty kill? Yeah, you know, and somebody's got to play that role, certainly. But beyond that, like, my expectations are, are pretty damn low now in terms of him, you know, having any influence on any of these games. Yeah. I, th I think that's all fair, um, and we'll sort of see how this shakes out. But but I do think that's you know one one thing that's been good about this Canucks camp is relative to some of the more settled rosters around the league, it does feel like there's actual competition here, actual drama. Uh, it's been fun to watch, and and we'll see how it plays out as the club looks to depart. Uh, you know, before we record next, this team will head to the Phase Four bubble on Sunday uh, with a traveling party of 52, and they will there be set. In preparation for the qualifying round, it's going to be a, a lot of fun to have hockey back in our lives, J-Pat. Yeah, a little homework if uh, people are getting geeked up about this series and you want to find out what's going on on the other side. Wild TV analyst Wes Walls joins Mike Russo this week on Straight from the Source. You can find that at The Athletic. Russo's going to join us next week, and we'll have some fun, and mm -hmm. we'll really drill down into this series uh, from both sides. And uh, we'll try to limit uh, the amount of talk about uh, life in South Florida, since uh, both you and he have experienced that. Maybe we'll have like a swear yeah. jar. you got to put uh, a quarter in every time any mention of the Panthers in any way uh, comes up. But uh, uh, 
we'll leave it at that for now. One more scrimmage for the Canucks here. We'll see what that brings, see what the weekend has uh, in store, and then we'll be back to break it all down early next week. In the meantime, check out our comments section for each podcast episode at the Athletic app. And don't forget, rate and subscribe The VanCast on Apple. If you click on the show URL, theathletic.com slash TheVanCast, you'll get 40% off your subscription. The numbers indicate that people are getting interested in hockey again. Uh, Our number's up, so we thank you for your support. Uh, Tell a friend about uh, The VanCast if they want uh, the latest and uh, all the sort of behind-the-scenes info uh, on the Vancouver Canucks as they get set for their return to play. The VanCast is where it's at. For Drancer, it's J-Pat. Thanks so much for listening. Have yourself a great weekend. And we will catch up early next week here on the VanCast at The Athletic and TheAthletic.com.